Like if you've got a nut allergy and you've got a table full of snakes <laughs> yeah. in front of you, it's like that's a dangerous probably. situation. <laughs> probably you should listen to your gut there. Well, with all that in mind, let's get started. <laughs> <laughs> oh, segways are fun, aren't they? Hello and welcome to the Super Bayern Podcast. Eight in a row. That's how many consecutive times Bayern Munich have finished top of the Bundesliga table after scraping by with narrow wins over Gladbach and Werder Bremen. But is what's good for Bayern actually bad for the Bundesliga? And could the Bavarians really be considering selling their record transfer just a year after signing him? I'm Benjamin Scott and I'm here to discuss those questions and more with my friend Garrett Kerber. FC Bayern. There it is, and Tim yeah, Richards. So I say mine, but I... Oh, Garrett's not done. <laughs> Hello. I don't know. <laughs> well, like I said, that's eight in a row. Um, Garrett already sang us the introduction. Um, obviously there were no fans in the stadium to sing it, so that'll have to do for them, Garrett. Uh, but yeah, Byron beat Gladbach two to one, very narrow, uh, sort of scrappy win, and then followed it up with another narrow, scrappy win against Freder Bremen, um, beating them one to nothing. Uh, and they probably would have won the title anyway with the way Borussia Dortmund played on yesterday and taking a, uh, a loss to Mainz. But anyway, Tim, um, the other day in chat, you kind of said that this one feels a little bit different from the ones in the past, kind of feels a little bit uh, uh, weird in a way. So why don't you kind of um, talk us through you know, what, exactly what you're feeling about this title, maybe why it feels a little bit off to you. Sure, uh, this is going to be even more rambly than everything else that I've ever said. Um, it was, it, it's something that I'm still trying to like get my head around. I think I've kind of, I've got like a couple of notes that I want to like touch on. I think I'm obviously in like a very fortunate position and it's not a position that I'll, I'll ever take for granted um, of being able to go to the stadium so frequently. Um, and, you know, I've, I've got a season ticket and I'm, I'm able to watch these games live. And so the fact that I've not been able to do that is it's a big shame. But obviously, you know, you guys are in are in America, like you've not had the opportunity to, to go to the Allianz Arena. There there are like millions of fans out there that haven't had that that haven't had that privilege. Um so like it's it's interesting to kind of see that, you know, you don't know what you've got till it's gone. I think it's it's not something that I was ever really prepared to to start taking for granted, but it is something that I'm now even more appreciative of than than ever before um so i think there's there's that the whole like lack of the fans the yeah there's like the fan noise um but it really it it doesn't really count for much um in addition to that the way that Bayern have played in the last few games has just not really been like championship worthy i think we've we've scraped past in like fairly unconvincing manner uh, in a fairly unconvincing manner um, and you kind of expect these sort of results. Like I think you you're never going to win every single game six nil, um, because like even even that would probably get a little bit boring after a while. Like I want to win as much as anybody else does. Um, but you do you need you need the tough victories or the Arbeitssieg, I think is um, is what it's called. Like a victory that you really have to work for. Uh, and yeah, it's obviously games against like Leverkusen who have been in good form and, and Gladbach and. Um, and even the Dortmund game, like a one 0 victory against Dortmund, isn't something where I'm going to be like, oh, they should be doing much better than that. Like, it was a really hard fought and well earned victory, 
the past couple of weeks I've just I've watched Bayern and I thought this this team isn't as good as people are making them out to be. Um then in in addition to that, I think it kind of like follows on um, the, the praise that I'm seeing for for Hansi Flick. That I obviously it's no secret that I was a massive fan of Niko Kovac, and yes, he he did have to leave. But I think that's probably part of it is the fact that I'm supporting a team that's different to the team that started the season. Um, in so much as like I I kind of bought into this idea of Niko Kovac is going to be the guy because he you know he won the double last season or a couple of. Uh, a couple of bumps along the way, but he did it last season. Maybe he can do it again. Um, I don't know. I'm still kind of torn whether or not he he needed to leave. I think the fact that he kind of took it upon himself to leave um, and and resigned, I think that's that's quite admirable. Like he was, you know, he was under the impression this isn't, you know, I'm not cut out for it. Um, but the way that people are talking about it right now, saying like, oh, if it wasn't for Hansi Flick, we would be relegated, or like. Kovac was like close to like absolutely destroying this club. I'm like, yeah, they were seventh. There's like a whole other group of teams beneath seventh though. And it's like right at the start of the season, anything goes. Like you can be in the um you like you can be in the relegation zone after like one match day. Like it it really wasn't that bad. I don't know whether or not Bayern would have won or not. But I really don't think that it's as bad as people have made it out to be. And as such, like I've kind of reassessed like my like the way that I'm using social media because of it. Like there's just a lot on Twitter that's like bad mouthing things that are like things that I quite like. Like I've seen people kind of like mocking Audrey Zola for like the fact that he just hasn't really played, saying, Oh, well done, we couldn't have done it without you. You're so important. So I'm I've kind of like had like a bit of a cleanse and seen things that I just don't really want to see. Um, I don't know. There's there's like a whole host of things that have like really added to this championship. Really not seem really not seeming anywhere near as close to all of the other ones. I will agree. It was definitely um, different and and sort of weird. And I think that it was very compounded upon because of the way Bayern have been playing. I mean, guys like uh, Robert Lewandowski. Even when he played, you know, he he did score, but he wasn't up to. You know, what we would expect out of him, Alfonso Davies, who has been so great um, since he you know became a first team member this season, has been a bit off in the last two games. He even got sent off uh, in the game against Werder Bremen. Of course, he did um, set the record for the fastest Bundesliga sprinting speed ever recorded, but that doesn't equate him to having a good game uh, by any means. And then, you know, the way the team sort of celebrated, or I guess almost didn't celebrate after the game, there were no beer showers. There's none of the um, sort of expected celebrations that you get whenever Bayern Munich win. Now, on the flip side, that could have given the players an excuse not to have to put on this sort of um, false celebrations for doing what is pretty much at this point expected out of a Bayern Munich team. Uh, but Tim kind of hit on how Bayern had a rough start under Niko Kovac this season, Garrett. Um, and at one point, Bayern were in seventh, although that isn't really indicative of how bad it was under Kovac. Uh, regardless, it looked for a time that by, that this was going to be the, the year that Bayern didn't win the Bundesliga, but of course, that's not how it turned out. Are we looking at a case of um, Bayern just being too dominant, Garrett, or is this another one of the uh, those seasons where the rest of the Bundesliga just kind of tapers off toward the end of the season? Um, what's going on? How did Bayern pull this off? Well, first of all, I, if, if someone's willing to... Uh 
purchase the beer for me, I will do a beer shower on myself for everybody if, if that's what they're they're looking for. Um, but uh, but I you know I I think that it's a I mean I hate the it's a little bit of both. I'm going to go ahead and say it's it, it, Bayern were completely dominant after Hansi Flick took over. Um, you know, they, they, they lost those, those two matches, um, in early December to Leverkusen and to Gladbach. And then from there, they just, you know, I think they, the only game that they dropped points in was against, uh, RB Leipzig. So it's hard to, to look at it and say, well, it's just because the rest of the, the league is so terrible because up until, um, up until Bayern beat, uh, Dortmund, you know, here in the last few weeks, the thought was that there was still a shot if Dortmund would win that match to for them to win the title instead of Bayern. If Bayern hit a hit a bad patch, um, it would have made these last two matches much more concerning. Uh, if you know they they just barely squeaked out those two wins, um, and and I think that you know, and as we get into that conversation of is it bad for uh, for Bayern and for the Bundesliga and for everybody if if Bayern's so dominant all the time they've won eight in a row is this is this a quote unquote farmers league and coming from a, a son of a farmer I'm not sure how to take that <laughs> um, it's it's I think just kind of what you like right I mean if you grew up watching uh, the Premier League you might have you know, more of a bias towards, you know, appreciating the premier league for what it is. Um, just the same thing with, with the Bundesliga, same thing with La Liga, same thing, even for MLS, for some people, you know, some people, and, 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 and so I think that it, it's kind of to say the least, it's, it's not really possible to put your finger on what was, the bigger factor is is the Bundesliga just bad? Is Bayern uh, just that good? But given the fact that we've seen, we we can watch with our eyes and see how good Bayern were, and say anybody in the world that they would have played against, you know, over this over the last um, however many matches that they played, they would have they would have probably beaten. Um, and obviously, without Champions League. Um, we, we don't have, you know, a, a direct thing to look at, but for, for, for most people that you'll read, Bayern are considered the favorites in the champions league too. So whether the Bundesliga is weak or not really doesn't make a difference. Bayern were clearly the best team and, uh, um, and they, and they certainly showed it through most of the season. Uh, these last two matches I think is really, for me, it's the bigger reason that it doesn't feel so special to win this eighth one is that the last two matches were really kind of downers, really kind of boring games and kind of frustrating to watch. Um, and, and after you're building all this momentum throughout, you know, from December on towards, wow, this Bayern team looks really, really good. Oh, yeah, we're going to just take two, two months off. So hold that excitement. And now all of a sudden it's like, okay, we're back. We're winning some games. And we're not going to play very well when we clinch, but you know, hey, we still won. No fans to really, you know, get the get the excitement built up. 
Um, we can't enjoy, you know, laughing while they're trying to sneak up and dump beer on each other. You know, it, I think it's, it's a combination of a lot of things. But ultimately, Bayern were clearly the best team in the Bundesliga this year. Um, and, 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 I, and, and I would say you can make a pretty good argument. In fact, you'd make, it'd be hard to make the argument that there was a better team in Europe um, than Bayern over the course of Hansi Flick's current tenure. The good news for us as Bayern fans is that the Bundesliga isn't just you know the end of the season for Bayern. We still have the uh, Pokal final coming up. The Champions League, which has been confirmed uh, for August as well. So the season's not really over yet. So it's not like we've reached the end and there's just kind of this dud. It's we've reached part of the end, the beginning of the end. Uh, and we still can build some momentum right. to get back back up. So it is at least something uh, to look forward to a little bit. Something Garrett kind of hit on, Tim, is, is something I want to talk about for a bit. Because this is Byron's eighth consecutive Bundesliga title. Um, which doesn't exactly speak well for the league as a whole, no matter how you um, approach it. It's not really the best look for the league as a whole. So how do you respond to those who who criticize the Bundesliga or maybe even criticize Bayern for their dominance of the Bundesliga? I mean, uh, is it is it Bayern's fault that they dominate the league every single year? Can you really criticize them too much um, for doing that? Because some have and some do think that they need to do more to level out the playing field a little bit. So, uh, Tim, I guess, you know, as, as a Brit living in England, surrounded by a lot of Premier League fans who would definitely use that argument against Bayern Munich, what's the response to that? Uh, the response is, look at the look at the Premier League, like, look at the French division, look at the Italian division. The Italian division less so, like it's been slightly more open this year. Um, but even so, like a really bad Juventus team, like just a really tedious Juventus team are still probably going to win the league it is it's kind of it's maybe lazy to just say oh it's just one of those things this is a team that hasn't exactly had like this huge like influx of money in the same way that like Man City have or or PSG or Monaco did like a few years ago this is a team that's spent a very very long period of time building that up and like making very sensible although we may be discussing this in the future, very sensible transfers, doing really, really good business. Um, and it's run by footballers. It's run by people that understand the industry. Um, I think if you're, if there's an, I think it's really easy for English people to look at the Bundesliga and be like, oh, Bayern are going to win. The Premier League was decided in November. Like, okay, it's kind of, it's one thing for me to say like, okay, this isn't really, like, it doesn't necessarily feel like it counts or anything. Bayern still had to win these games. The Premier League's come back and Liverpool have to win two games and then it's over. Like, it's just a formality at this point. Um, there, are, there, are a lot of, um, there are a lot of discussions about, oh, it's just Bayern, it's all Bayern, it's all Bayern. But I think Dortmund, I th- and if you want to look at teams that have, like, you know, bought players from from the rival teams. I think Bayern are like sixth in in the list of people that have bought from from like their rivals in terms of um, spending like domestic transfers. I think like Dortmund are like streets ahead in that. Um, but the fact is, is that they don't really seem to be able to to back it up. Bayern have like Bayern's key players this season. Okay, Lewandowski is not a great example, but he went for free. And 
Dortmund kind of made that happen because they could have sold him for well, like 50 million euros to, to Real Madrid or to United or to whoever. Instead, he was like, no, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait out my contract and go to Bayern for free. After that, our most important player has been Joshua Kimmich, who was bought from uh, a second division team for about like 11 million euros. Alfonso Davies, who was bought from Canada of all places for like a similar amount, not to besmirch Canada. I've heard lovely things about it. It's not exactly a sporting giant when it comes to football, though, or soccer, I suppose is probably what they'd call it. Um, yeah, Bayern have got a lot of money and they do spend a lot of money, but they spend it really, really sensibly. I remember there was that quote from, I think it was Hernes or Rummenigge a few years ago when Bayern bought uh, Douglas Costa and Kingsley Coman for about 50 million in total, I think. Obviously, Coman was alone. I think they um, they, they spent about like 50 million in total on them. And people were saying like, oh, Bayern are just buying the league. And then somebody pointed out that uh, that Wolfsburg spent more on Andre Schürrle and Julian Draxler and they just didn't deliver. Like, the, there are teams that have spent a lot of money in the wrong places, and then and there's Bayern, who has spent a good amount of money in the exact correct way. Um, if people have a problem with that, then it's, it's, it's basic economics. Like, people can't be angry at economics. Well, they probably can. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what I'd point out. I think there's a, a few other things that you can point out as well. Um, for one thing... I know a lot of American listeners, With Ameri- when it comes to American sports, we're very used to uh, the league and the people who set the rules trying to make as, as even of a playing field as possible so that, you know, you got salary caps on different teams to keep teams from spending so much on certain players and, um, I guess, to, to make that level playing field. You don't have that in, in European football at all anywhere. Um, so you're not going to get that in the Bundesliga. You're not going to get that in the Premier League. You're not going to get that anywhere in Europe. So you can't just pick out Bayern and criticize them. But I think you make a great point. There's other teams in Germany who who could at least get close to the Bayern level, at least be or should be challenging hard for the title. Um, and I think Garrett kind of brought this up earlier. There were teams that were challenging hard for the title this season. Hansi Flick just came in and kind of turned this Bayern Munich team around and, and made it sort of impossible for them to do that. But uh, Schalke, for example... I'm pretty sure I couldn't find the statistic exactly because it just came to my mind right now, but I think they're in the top 20 of European uh, clubs in terms of like revenue per year. And look at how hard they're struggling in the Bundesliga. It doesn't make any sense. So Bayern is obviously doing something right that these other teams just can't seem to uh, sort of get a hold of. And I think it goes to, to guys like Karl-Heinz Rummenigge, um, throw his name in here, Hassan Salihamzic now, you know, Uli Honus uh, in the past couple decades, sort of taking this team without really bringing in any external money and turning it into a European uh, giant or keeping it a European giant, I guess I should say. And that's where a lot of the credit has to go um, as well. We talked a bit about Hansi Flick and how he is largely responsible for the way Bayern have turned this season around, but Garrett, I was wondering if there was a player or two that you thought also deserved a special mention for um, sort of stepping up their game to a whole another level and uh, making sure Bayern won this eighth consecutive Bundesliga title. Well, I, I know. I mean, we we can we've talked about um, Alfonso Davies 
probably too much and um it's uh, there's impossible no, there's no such yeah there's no such thing as too much it's silly me um but but he's been he, he's been huge um in terms of what he's allowed Byron to do um and the fact that you know as you mentioned you know at the start of the show it's it's making the possibility that Byron could even sell you know their their record transfer uh a year after after paying that enormous fee for him because he's played so well at left back it's allowed uh David Alaba to to move centrally um in the in defense and and to be able to and he's done so well that and it's just kind of this this domino effect so um Alfonso David has to be considered i mean i think there's a there's a lot of people that have uh you know obviously he's only fast you know that that whole thing but you know he's been consistently one of the best left backs in the world since he's kind of taken over that position and he's 19 and there's just, there's just no, no limit to the good things you can say about him. Um, and, uh, and obviously, you know, you can, you can point at uh, Thomas Muller and, and kind of the resurgence that he, he's found under flick, um, you know, breaking the record for, for Bundesliga assists in a season Um kind of finding his um, role on the team again after a couple seasons of kind of wandering. Um, but I'm obviously going to, going to point out my guy, uh, Leon Goretzka for the work that he's done um, not only during the break to get himself into the shape that he's in, but also to, to find a role that he plays well and really contributes to the success of this Bayern squad um, since the break, especially I think that we saw like flashes of him becoming a really um, an impact player for Bayern um, throughout the season. And then he dealt with some injuries and then um, we saw a resurgence of Tiago and, and, and all that. But, but ultimately he's been kind of a stabilizing force, especially as Tiago has dealt with injury and, um, and I just I think he's been such a huge part of what Bayern have been able to do, um, especially since the break. I would go back even further and, and say that his, his the the availability of him to 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 be able to do this sort of thing was always there. And I think I actually even mentioned him is one in one of the preseason um, pods. I think I mentioned him as the guy who. I, I, I really think could be a real big impact player um, for Bayern. And so um, I got to shout him out. got to point him out as being um, so huge in, in Bayern's um, title winning, especially given that in, in the Gladbach game, he came up big um, to help stabilize Bayern during their, uh, when, when they didn't have Lewandowski and they didn't have Muller and, they didn't have, and, and Davies wasn't playing for the most part. So, uh, yeah, I, I I think that uh, I gotta obviously shout Goretzka. You know, we've talked a lot about Thiago when he was playing well. Um, we've talked a good bit recently about Leon Goretzka because he has been uh, very very good since the return to football. We've talked about Alfonso Davies, Thomas Muller is leading the assists, Robert Lewandowski leads the Bundesliga in goals, um, and I think one person that we don't credit enough, although I have talked about him a lot in recent podcasts, because. Well, it's just kind of sort of come to my attention. I think Joshua Kimmich, 
I think his move from right back to defensive midfield, which I should say I wasn't totally on board with at the very beginning, um, has just been a stroke of genius almost from Hansi Flick, the way that he's turned him from the best right back in the world to arguably the best defensive midfielder in the world. Um, Kimmich does not have bad games. He either has good games or he has great games. It's it's one of the two. It's sort of what we had with, with Philip Lahman. I think the fact that we've talked so much about Goretzka and Thiago uh, kind of shows how great Kimmich has been because no no matter which one of the other two was playing, Kimmich was right there beside him helping the midfield um, be solidified and tick. So I think that he probably, and again, I know I've, I've said this before, so I don't want to I keep going on this, but I think he plays a much bigger role in the success of this team than a lot of people realize, uh, than a lot of people want to give him credit for, especially those who are still, for some reason, adamant that he needs to move back to uh, to right back. So if I had to call out anyone in particular, it would probably actually be Joshua Kimmich. Um, but Tim, I don't know if you had anyone you wanted to add to that list. No, I, th- I think you've all um, you've both hit on every single person, I think. Davies has been a revelation. Goretzka has really transformed. Um, I think it is important to really highlight that shift from right back to central midfield for Kimmich. I think if there's anybody that does deserve the credit, it's still Manuel Neuer. Um, he has he had his problems with injuries. He had his problems with form. And just the way that he was playing. So he will go stretches of the game without having any contact with the ball. He'll have nothing to do at all. And then much like we saw in the game uh, the other day, Mm -hmm. he will be doing absolutely nothing and then will pull off a save that guarantees a championship. He's such a great person to have in the squad. He's like a great leader. Um, He's such an important fixture for the team. Not to demerit uh, guys like Sven Ulreich, because obviously when he played, he was just as good. Like He was able to be Bayern's number one. I say just as good, maybe that's not entirely accurate, but he was able to play to a standard that was Bayern's number one. And I think the way that Neuer's played, it really does kind of cement him as one of the best, uh, certainly one of the best right now. And the argument of one of the best of all time, oh, I don't want to say it, but... No, he's definitely, definitely you one know, of the best we're, of we're all We're all thinking it, we're all thinking it. If anything, uh, yeah, I think you're right about bringing up Manuel Neuer. He was that save he made the other day was heroic, a uh, late game save against Werder Bremen. But it sort of seems like ever since the the Alexander Nubel news came out, ever since that was confirmed, he's just kind of stepped up his game yet again. Uh, sort of, sort of as if to say like, okay, I hope you're watching because this is this is what you're coming in to compete with. I'm not going to lay down easy, um, and so hopefully you know that that move has spurred Neuer to continue working hard to continue to improve because at what 33 34 years old he still has uh, many years left to be a top top tier goalkeeper um and so i think i think we would be amiss not to bring him up um he has been has been excellent especially since that alexander Nubel move was announced um notice one player that we didn't bring up and maybe this is a bit harsh because he spent most of the season uh, out injured is Bayern munich's record transfer Lucas Hernandez, who they signed last summer for 80 million euros. Now, recently, in the past few days, uh, it's not quite been confirmed, but multiple reports suggest that 18-year-old PSG Academy product, Tongi Kwasi, is going to be signing for Bayern Munich, or already maybe even has signed for Bayern Munich on a five-year contract. Um, PSG offered him more money, but he still chose to come to Bayern. This coincides with 
uh, multiple reports saying that Lucas Hernandez has emerged as a top target for PSG. And this isn't really the first time that it's been suggested Bayern might sell Lucas Hernandez this summer. When we first talked about it, we were kind of all iffy about it, said, you know, we don't see much chance of that happening. I'm going to come back to you, Tim. Do you think now with, um, I guess, the way that this story has has sort of developed, uh, the way Lucas Hernandez has been playing, the Kwasi news coming out, do you think that now we're looking at more of a possibility that Bayern do sell Lucas Hernandez in the summer? And maybe would that even be justified now? I can't imagine Bayern would be willing to to quit on this uh, so soon. I think we've, I think a lot of us, us included, but also a lot of Bayern fans in general, have been fairly critical of the way that Hernandez has been playing. Um, but obviously, he's just come back from quite a severe injury that he'd really only just recovered from another severe injury prior to that. I think to judge him on performances so soon after these things would maybe be a little bit short-sighted. Um, it, Bayern aren't really the sort of club to just kind of like up and quit on a, on somebody that they've invested so much in. Because um, I think even somebody like Renato Sanchez, who you know, his first season wasn't brilliant, his second season out on loan, that was just ridiculous. Um, but they, they were able to say, okay, like this is going to be your time to, to show what you can do. For the most part, he did. But then, you know, for one reason or another, we won't get into it. Bayern aren't the sort of team that gives up on on major investments like that. I, I remember we were talking in the chat and the the only person that I can really think of that kind of came to Bayern and then went so quickly was Torsten Frings. And that kind of surprised me because he was like he was like a quintessential Germany player. Like he was a very important fixture in the Germany team in 2006 World Cup. Um, so it was surprising to see him come and go so quickly. But part of that was he was unhappy with the way that he was being played. He was being played out of position. Lucas Hernandez is being played in his exact position. And from everything that you can kind of see on uh, on social media, which seems to be like the main theme for today's episode from me, um, everything that you can see him like interacting with people. Uh, he seems to love his friendship with Lewandowski, which is amazing to see. Um, this is a guy that clearly loves the team uh, and he loves the club and and kind of everything with it. However, it wouldn't be completely unreasonable to see him leave, especially because like the guy that's keeping him out of the team is a 19-year-old kid from Canada. No one would have ever imagined that. If you were to say, hey, so the guy that won the World Cup for France, their left back, yeah, he's not going to be able to get into the team at Bayern Munich because there's this Canadian kid. No one would believe you. It's a very unusual thing that could happen. But it, it's it's happening. Davies seems to be getting better and better. He's great going forward. He's great coming back. Alaba doesn't seem to be going back to, to left back anytime soon. Is 80 million euros for a rotation left back really a good idea? If Bayern could possibly get some of that back, I'm not confident that if he was to leave, Bayern would get back 100% of, of the fee and then more. I think it's fairly safe to say that they would make a loss but it doesn't seem completely unreasonable. Yeah, I mean, that is that is the question right now. Though, like, you know, Alfonso Davies has emerged as arguably the best left back in the world. I'll say top five left back, the way that he's playing um, right now. David Alaba is immense as a center back, and he's taking up that left center back position. Lucas Hernandez isn't starting over Alaba. 
He's definitely not starting over Alfonso Davies. He's not even starting over Jerome Boateng right now on, on the right center back position. Uh, when Nicolas Suda comes back, it's going to be more difficult for, for him to even get in there. Garrett, you know, Tim kind of brought it up, but I'm interested to hear your side as well. You know, 80 million euros, that's twice what Bayern paid for Conton Deliso, their previous uh, highest ever transfer fee. I mean, surely that's too much to have as a guy who's going to be playing, you know, 15, 20 minutes a match, not even able to nail down a starting position. Uh, and of course, just playing devil's advocate here for, for any listener who's getting mad, but um, there is sort of that, that thought, Garrett. Do you think maybe we try and get back 60, 70 million from PSG from this summer, uh, especially if that means we can fund other transfers? Yeah, I you know, I think that, I mean, on top of the fact that he's, he's been uh, beat out for a position by a 19-year-old from Canada – figure into the fact that that 19 year old from Canada is converted from left wing. And, and again, it add, just adds to who in the world could have seen that coming. Um, so, you know, I'll tell you who Hassan Salihamidzic, <laughs> that's who. Yeah. I'm, I'm Well, he also bought Hernandez though. So, yeah, well, kinda, but so, but, but any, in any case, like in some ways, I think that like the 80 million figure needs to kind of, we, we can we can figure that in in terms of how we evaluate him as a player you know we, we we've talked about it um, and you know at, at 80 million you expect a guy to come in and be an every everyday player um, and, and if and if you're gonna move him off of the position you bought him for you're you're only moving him to another spot on the field right but but when it comes to selling him um, that that figure is, I mean, that's a sunk cost at this point. I mean, they've already spent the money. The only thing that they can start thinking about in terms of now is has has he dropped so far off of that valuation that we're, it's not even worth selling him. Um, I still like um, I still like Lucas. I, I think that he can be a really good player for Bayern, but but I, I still I'm with you that it's it kind of sounds like seems like he's he's kind of going to be a rotational player and that makes it really hard when it comes to you know if a team comes offering if PSG comes offering 40 million for Lucas Hernandez and you're and you're saying well we can get half back of what we spent on him um we already have more than enough depth to make up for him moving on and you got to figure in does this go towards does that pay for all of you know getting Leroy Sané or does it help towards getting Kai Havertz those are the types of questions that need to be asked um, especially if it seems like there's no one else in that defensive back um, backfield that back line that's gonna that's gonna be leaving Um, I mean there's a chance Alaba could uh, because there hasn't been a whole lot of movement on his extension it sounds like yet but I mean, it, it is. It does feel crazy that after you know an eighty million dollars splurge on this left back, we're already talking about maybe moving on from him. Um, because I, I think you've said it, Ben, that he might be the fifth best center back on the team, and he's probably the third best left back at this point. Hmm. Um, maybe, maybe you, maybe you even. Maybe you hold on to him thinking maybe just maybe this is a fluke. We can, we can afford to hold on to him. Um, we, we 
we hold on to him and then and then if Davies hits a sophomore slump in that left back position, we're covered. Maybe you do that, but like I said, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't sell him for anything less than half of what they're gonna oh, what they paid for no. him. You yeah. know, I wouldn't sell him so, for less than sixty even. Right. So I mean, so, so you're kind of you're kind of in a position where they're they're gonna have to make a good offer anyway. Um, it's not. He doesn't seem like the kind of player that's going to hurt team morale if he's not playing all that much, really. I mean, he seems like a pretty good guy that, I mean, he's he's been, even when he was injured, you know, he was posting game day things on his Twitter feed, and, and, and he seems to have some friends on the club. I mean, there's a lot of, fr- there's a good French um, uh, group there at Bayern, so I think it could still work out for him for to, to stay for another year, but but the big thing to me is, what are you going to do? Does is it going to help you get uh, Lurisane or Kai mm-hmm. Havertz? And it, and if it is, it's it's pretty hard for me to say, you know, don't don't sell them at any cost. Yeah, there's so many factors and, and different things that have to be um, thought about going into this, and you and you brought up uh, pretty much all of them already. And I think we should kind of um, sort of hedge this conversation by saying to anyone listening. No one would be happier for Lucas Hernandez to, you know, next season be one of Bayern's top three players and go on to, you know, spend a decade here being a sensational center back, left back, whatever he plays, you know, than the three of us. But at the same time, you know, a a big thing for me is you don't spend 80 million euros for a guy to sit on the bench. At the same time, looking at it from his perspective, you don't make an 80 million euro move to go somewhere else and sit on the bench. So I can also understand from his point of view, if he's looking at the situation, and I don't necessarily think he is, but if he's looking at it and you know saying to himself, okay, if David Oliver stays, which is still an if at the moment, I'm not starting over him. Um, they're going to probably put Nicholas Sula next to him whenever he's fit. Alfonso Davies is starting over me. Uh, I may get some rotational games in, but I'm looking over here at PSG back at home in France, even though Spain is also sort of his home. I'm guaranteed to walk into that back line. Um, they, you know, I could play left back. I could play left center back. Thiago Silva's leaving. I'm going to be a guaranteed starter at PSG. And so I can sort of understand if, if there's something maybe behind the scenes that we're not totally seeing where Lucas Hernandez is, is telling Byron, hey, if, if PSG are willing to, to pay for me, let me go. Let me go to PSG and, and sort of work this thing out. We tried it for a year. It didn't work out. I'm not saying that's happening. I can just sort of understand... Uh, if that was the case. And I guess I would kind of side with you, Garrett. If if PSG come and say, we'll give you 60, 70 million euros uh, for Lucas Hernandez, that's basically going to fund Leroy Sané completely. And then if then we can, in turn, look over at Bayer Leverkusen and say, okay, let's get serious. Let's talk about bringing in Kai Havertz this summer, next summer, whenever it may be. It's hard to make a good argument against uh, letting him go, um, letting him go for a reasonable cost. So that's sort of my thoughts on it as well. Definitely something to watch over um, over the coming months. But we haven't really talked about uh, Tangi Kwasi, and that's probably because none of us really know a whole lot about him. Uh, but Tim, let's say Lucas Hernandez isn't going to be going anywhere this summer. Would Kwasi maybe spell the end uh, for Jerome Boateng's time at Bayern, maybe even Javi Martinez's time at Bayern Munich? Or do you think maybe this is sort of a start off with a second team and kind of work your way into the first team type of move. As, uh, I've seen that he's, as you said, like I, I don't know anything about this guy at all. 
Um, all I've seen is that he's played for PSG six times, I think, uh, six league games, and has scored, I think, three goals or two goals. He's scored a lot. Um, it's more than Kingsley really, Yeah, it's a pretty good return. Um, but I'm going to try and go an episode without bringing that up. <laughs> um, like a very prolific guy from the PSG Academy. Not the one you'd think it would be. Um, he is... From what I can understand, very surface level research, he is the same sort of player as Javi Martinez more than he is Jerome Boateng in so much as he is a centre-back, but he can also play as a defensive midfielder, um, which I think is fantastic. I've, I've long said that versatility is one of the most undervalued traits in footballers. The fact that this guy can supposedly uh, do these things uh, with, you know, without really missing a step uh, is going to be hugely beneficial. I think also the fact that versatility will always increase somebody's chances of playing regularly um, because it means that they're not just waiting for their chance to play as a centre-back. They've got more opportunities in front of them. It's what makes someone like Kimmich so um, so useful and somebody like Muller as well. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens. This whole, this whole thing needs to get confirmed, though. At the moment, it's just reports. That's true. Um, but it's it's reports. It is true. Oh, boy, oh, boy, is it true. <laughs> um, but it's it's reports from a lot of different sources, some reputable, some not as reputable. But there's enough for it to be kind of considered basically, yes, this will be happening. Um, I'm really excited because PSG's got one of the best academies in Europe. Um, they've... Been able, the fact that this guy has chosen Bayern um, is a huge testament to Sally Hamadic's ability. I think I know I know that I was fairly um, dismissive of some of the things that he has done. Like I thought he was he'd kind of like botched the Sane transfer, botched the Hudson Odoi transfer. I thought he was kind of going to botch the Pavard transfer, which you know Tim Richards from a few weeks ago probably would have said that he did because it actually happened. But surprise. I'm coming around on Benjamin Pavard at the moment. Um, yeah, let's let's not get too excited. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm still a very cynical and unhappy person deep down. Um, but this is it's something that kind of shows that somebody somewhere, and this somebody is probably Sally Hamadic, someone is doing a very good job at making Bayern as attractive as possible, and that is very exciting for the future. Hey, tall fullbacks! You now's your chance. You got, you, Tim, Tim might be coming around. So, no, I, I'm excited. Be. I might be yeah. coming around. <laughs> I'm excited because it does seem like, um, you know, from from what I have read on um, on the guy, he he's possibly that um, that young uh, up and coming international star that that you know Bayern had talked about wanting to to get. Um, He's, I mean, 18 years old. That's, you know, that's that's encouraging. The fact that it, it other reports that I had read, I, I apologize that I don't have the references, but I had I had read somewhere that PSG was actually offering him more money, and um, and he still wanted to come to Bayern. I think that that number one shows um, shows ambition from him, but it also you know shows that Bayern are still can still be a a, a place that that players desire to go to and 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 i think it probably does help that alfonso davies has developed so well um they can see that some of these younger players have um really flourished under hansi flick and um 
and uh, so yeah, it's 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 exciting. I, I hope that I hope that it works out, and um, and that we all uh, we all get to see what this kid can do. Yeah, I really hope he turns into the next Alfonso Davies more so than the next Callum Hudson Doy, uh, because Tim kind of put a damper on my on my hopes with that one. I remember how close we all thought he was to joining Bayern, only for that to go. Yeah, sorry about that. To go south. I blame my friend Will. Yeah, it would. It's definitely, no, it's not my definitely fault. Will's fault. It's not my fault at all. Uh, but one more little talking point before we do wrap this episode up. There are just a few Bundesliga matches left. Obviously, Bayern have wrapped up the title. Um, and so after those Bundesliga matches, Bayern have the Pokal final almost a month off and then the Champions League coming up. So in these uh, two Bundesliga matches, um, we'll start with you, Garrett. Do you rotate if you're Hansi Flick, kind of give the young guys some experience playing at the top division, you know, give uh, Mikael Kisons another start, maybe Joshua Xerxes a lot of minutes, um, Sarpreet seeing one of the young wingers maybe, or is it more important to keep the uh, main starting 11 and, you know, those other sort of rotation players, keep them in form uh, ahead of, you know, this little break before we get into the, the remaining Champions League games of the season? Um. I have a I have an answer, but before we get to that, what when is the uh, Pokal final? Does anybody know that off the top of their head? I think it's the fourth of July. Okay, so um, I mean that that's that's also got to be in play here um, because obviously we want to win that. So you want to uh, you want to keep you know the the players that you rely on fresh enough so that when they get to that match there's no rust that needs to be knocked off. And these are professional athletes. If they know what they have to get ready for, they, they can, um, and, and usually do get, get ready for it. Um, having said that, I, I, if I was going to be, if I was Hansi Flick, I might use this, this upcoming match against Freiburg to, to be the match that I do a little bit more, um, see what they can do type stuff, um, with some of these younger players, uh, obviously you want to, you want to still give, you know, uh, Lewandowski and Muller some runs so that they can, you know, Lewandowski can still go after whatever, you know, he can go after his records, um, personal records, probably not going to touch Gerd Muller's record at this point, but, um, and then, and then obviously for, for Thomas Muller, he's, he's reached that, um, assist record, but you want to give him the chance to, to put a, a little bit more distance. Um, between him and second place, uh, if he so desires. But I think that this Freiburg match would be the match to to really see. Okay, let's get Xerxes a little bit more run. Maybe even play him with Lewandowski and see how they operate together. Um, you know, I would love to see some of the young center backs. I mean, we've been asking to see uh, Lars Lucas Mai for ever, and so now would be a. a fun time to see him i i don't anticipate we will but um but i think that would be the match to do it i would say that that last match is probably the match you want to give your your regular starters uh most of the playing time because you do have that pokal final coming up um as for the i mean because because looking ahead the champions league that's going to be so far off anyway any playing time that you're getting right now is probably not going to do a whole lot um, for, I mean, the difference between 45 minutes in, in one game and 90 minutes as it, as it relates to Champions League in August is probably not going to be that big of a deal. So, um, 
keep I, he needs to keep in mind what's coming up in the Pokal final, but um, in the Champions League stuff will kind of take care of itself, I think. I guess if I had one hope, it's that at least one of these two games will get uh, a sort of big win to, to kind of wrap up the season after how, uh, I guess, disappointing these past two games have been. I guess it's worth mentioning as well that we're almost definitely going to be seeing Lucas Hernandez get some minutes with Alfonso Davies suspended, at least for the next one. So that's just stuff. Uh, to sort of keep your eye on. But that is all the time that we have for this one. If you've enjoyed listening today or if you're a regular fan of the podcast, please do us a favor and leave us a five-star review. We would greatly appreciate that. If you want to get in touch with us, there are a few ways that you can do that. First, you can follow us on Twitter, at SuperByronPod. You can uh, message us, tweet at us on there, interact with us. We love interacting with uh, our listeners. Or you can email us at SuperByronPod at gmail.com. All of our episodes can be found wherever you find your podcasts, Thank you for listening. Go out and tell all your friends, and we'll talk to you next time.